Yeah, well, I'll go first. Uh, so my name's John Sanders. I have been in and around pastoral ministry much of my life. I grew up in the, the ministry. My dad was a pastor. Uh, I really felt at a young age kind of called in that direction, did my best to run away from that calling. Uh, I went into firefighting. I spent a few years as a professional firefighter before uh, surrendering to what I felt was that call toward pastoral ministry. And uh, so that was a, a wild ride, man. I had about 18 years in that role as a lead pastor and church planter. Now I'm back into full-time professional firefighting, but along the way, I've also become a podcaster, an author, a coach. And uh, so now we're really working with pastors, helping them achieve financial freedom by, you know, developing streams of revenue through entrepreneurial things. So that's kind of a very quick uh, introduction to myself. Awesome. Yeah, my name is Les Hughes, Mike. And uh, for the first part of my adult life, I was in retail. I was a grocery store manager in a, uh, in a chain of independent grocery stores and loved the marketplace. And uh, it was a lot of fun. And then God called me into the church, into uh, church ministry as well as uh, lead pastor of several ministries over the last over three decades now. I uh, also spent some time in Christian higher education and began to write some initially and saw what it would mean to have a platform outside the walls of the church. And that led into some open doors in the marketplace as well. And, um, you know, John and I met through a, a mastermind that we're both in and learned very quickly that we have the same type of passion and burden to help come alongside pastors, people with ministry backgrounds who are um, also, for, one, for whatever reason, wanting to stay in the marketplace as well. And that's a real mission field in itself, as I know you're aware of. And that's where we are right now in, in helping pa pastors figure out how to, how to support themselves, their families, their mission, their ministry, uh, their church, whatever that looks like. So first one for me, you guys obviously have a podcast and a message for pastors. And after looking at some of the things you're putting out there and looking at where you're coming from, it seems as though the, the crux of the, of the logic here is, hey, pastors have a pretty tough time. Um, maybe not getting paid quite what they should. They've probably got some skills that go beyond the things that they're currently doing. Let's, let's make the most of that. Maybe make a side hustle, generate some extra revenue, generate some extra income so they can kind of take care of themselves. Is that kind of a fair, quick summation of, of the thought process? Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree with that at all. Okay, so, so let me ask you this, guys. First of all, how do you balance off You've got Acts 6 where the apostles say, we're far too busy to do like the menial stuff. Y'all go, go make some deacons. We're going to give ourselves to prayer and ministry, right? So the idea is these guys are going to do nothing but spiritual things. Every spare minute of the day, they're studying the word, they're praying, you know, they're in the, in the heavenly place so they can be the most effective in ministry. And then here comes Paul a few years later who says, well, you know, whether he says it directly or not, by his actions, he says, I'm going to go make some tents here in my spare time. And so you've, even in the New Testament, you've got this dichotomy of the spiritual guys versus the, well, I'm, I'm only going to write half the New Testament. And while I'm doing it, I'm going to have a, a side gig and, and go make some tents to, to pay my way through. Like, how do you balance that? Where do you find that kind of bifurcation in theology? Because for me, that's a big one. Well, when you say balance, give me a, a little bit more uh, description of that. Like you're talking like, how do you make it all work from a time standpoint? Or, or are you going deeper than that? 
No, so so let's say I'm a new church minister guy, right? I'm in the ministry a couple of years. I'm reading I'm reading the apostles and I'm thinking, okay, I should be praying all the time. I should be figuring out how to walk closer to Jesus. Like I should be seeing this crazy supernatural stuff happening because Jesus said you can do greater things than these. And then on the other hand, you've got Paul who's like, oh, did I got so much free time? I can go make tents, you know, and, and, and do all this other stuff as well. It's like, well, how, how am I supposed to do both of those things if I'm a guy in ministry? Like if I give up time, from studying the word and praying to go do other things, I'm not I'm not growing spiritually as much as maybe I could, or I'm not walking as closely as maybe I could. But if I do these things, maybe practically, I'm not I'm not taking care of myself and my family as well as I could, or I'm not able to invest back into the kingdom in a way that I could. So now I got to make a decision, and how do I make that decision? One thing I would point out real quick is that we're not necessarily recommending a one size fits all approach to this, just like Paul was wired differently than some of those early church leaders. And so, but I find it interesting, the guy who had his foot in both places, like you mentioned, Mike seemed to to get more accomplished, you know, like he wasn't just sitting around praying and reading his Bible all day. He was, he was out in the marketplace. And so I just think like to be an entrepreneur, it, it takes a certain type of wiring we're not necessarily saying all pastors should have a side hustle or a side gig. We're really just saying for those pastors that desire to, to do a little better financially and have the capacity in their life, which we think is many of them, uh, we think we can help show a way for that to be done where the ministry side of it doesn't suffer. This isn't an either or. I, I don't generally buy into the dichotomy of either or. I'm a both and type of thinker. And I think both can flourish. I think God can give revelation and speak to his leaders when they're out trimming trees or pressure washing or painting a, a house, you know, or building a, you know, doing a podcast. Like, I think, I think he can give inspiration and revelation to those leaders that are doing that versus the ones that have the luxury of sitting in an office 40 hours a week. And for some, that doesn't sound like a luxury. Some pastors say, man, I don't want to be sitting in an <laughs> office for 40 hours a week. That'd kill me. So uh, anyway, that's just a, a couple thoughts there, Les. I'll let you jump in. Yeah, I would add that it's um, there's this dichotomy in people's minds that's not a biblical one, that somehow, you know, there's God's time, or let's say there's the church's time and there's my time, you know? Right. And we all have a, 168 hours in the week if we if we really follow the biblical model of what it means to be a Christ follower, all of those are God's hours you know, and to determine what we do with those hours, whether, so, because we're talking about not just ministry and work, right? Just like those individuals who were serving the tables in Acts 6, they did other things. They went home. Hopefully they did provide for their families. They certainly spent time with them. Um, They spent time with the Lord. They spent, they spent time um, uh, preaching and teaching the word. So it's not like that was just a you know, a, a homogenous life as well. It, it, it's a mix. So part of part of that is just our walk with the Lord, Mike. You know, and and determining just like those first disciples, they walked with Him because they didn't know what it what it looked like to follow Him. So they had to watch Him and they had to listen to Him. Well, He's not here in the flesh anymore, but His Spirit's here. It's abiding in a, he, he is abiding in us, and so to. To live that out from day to day takes the same thing. We listen to him, we walk with him, we go where he says to go, and and we say what he says to say. And so, that John and I, as he mentioned a moment ago, don't try to talk anyone into a certain 
kind of lifestyle or mindset or out of it. It's just that for those that this resonates with, for those that say, you know, I, there's, there's something that's going on in me that I need to express in a different way for whatever reason, then we want to provide them some ways to do that. Does that make sense? Yeah, I know. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Do you think that theologically there is an undercurrent where Paul was setting a new pattern by the choices he made, do you think he was deliberately teaching something by his actions to try and create a new pathway for people who have a heart to serve Jesus, but also in the most efficient or effective way? Because John, you made the comment that, you know, when you look at the New Testament, if anything, Paul was a little more successful in in taking the gospel message out and what he was able to achieve and do with it. So do you think there's a deeper undercurrent there or you think that's pushing it too far and it's just two different sets of people doing two different things? Yeah, I don't know that I would go as far as to say like Paul was setting a precedent for us or saying, hey, everyone should do it this way. If if I had to put it in my words, I think Paul was just a pra practical guy. I think he was very focused on the mission and he was willing to do whatever it took to make that mission become a reality. So for him, if that meant I got to support my ministry by making tents on the side, that's what I'm going to do versus waiting around for the offerings of God's people to fund the work. I'm just going to go make it happen. That's, that's kind of my understanding as I read and understand Paul. I just like, he was, he was that type a tightly wound driven personality. Thankfully he switched it from being an enemy of Christ to being a, you know, uh, a missionary and planting the, the gospel wherever he went. So I just think Paul did what he had to do to get the job done. And to me, that's so much of what the entrepreneurial spirit is anyway. Like we've got a mission, a vision of where we're trying to, to go and whatever comes up, we'll find a way to, to pivot and work around it to succeed, you know? And th so that's my, my take on it. Mike, I love the question because it does bring up the, in, in the conversation, what a lot of people struggle with, whether they articulate it or not. Like a lot of things with the Apostle Paul, he's, he was a pretty complicated guy in some ways because you have places like you're talking about where, you know, to the Church of Corinth, he was very careful not to take an offering because of the, of the uh, wanting to stay above reproach and he just didn't want to confuse the message. I think Paul's focus was he didn't want anything to distract away right. from his main, the, he wanted to keep the main thing, the main thing and, yeah. and no distractions. So if it was, if it was going to distract um, somebody to, uh, if it was going to, if it was going to distract somebody for one of his um, mentees not to be circumcised, he'd say, you need to be circumcised. It's, it's not going to, make a difference about whether you're in heaven or not, but why make that a stumbling block? Yeah. There's nothing wrong with eating the meat sacrificed to idols, but you know what? We don't want to distract away from the gospel. If that's a big deal, don't eat meat sacrificed to idols. The drinking thing. So there are lots of matters like that. So when it, on the, on the one hand, the reason I said he's kind of a complicated guy is on the one hand, he is talking about working with his own hands. But then on the, on the other hand, he says, now those who make their living preaching and teaching are worthy of double honor, you know? Right. So there, there wasn't a, a one size fits all, as John mentioned, and there's always going to be this discussion among believers about what, what in Paul's epistles, especially was prescriptive and what's descriptive, but always keep in mind that his MO was to focus on the gospel 
and anything that might distract people from the gospel, he wanted to try and remove those barriers. One other quick thing I would add to that, if I can, Mike, is that for me personally, and I think Les agrees, there's a much agreement with us in our Andre Pastors platform, is that um, it's a practical thing for me. Like, if I'm not mad at the idea of a pastor that has the ability to be, you know, receive a full-time salary and, you know, kind of do that thing of giving myself fully to the, to the word and to prayer, that's great. But practically speaking, what we see in pastoral ministry in our world today is that thousands of pastors are quitting ministry every single month, walking right. away much of the time feeling discouraged as though they have failed. And I'm not saying that it's all about money. That's not the only issue. Right. There's certainly some other ones we could get into, but money's a big part of it because in our current model, we've created this professional pastorship or, you know, around the office of pastor and, and it's become a full-time J-O-B but it doesn't pay very well. I know there's some exceptions that we see on late night TV and, and the culture points to and goes, oh, that's gross. But that's not where our people are at. That's not right. where the average pastor's living. And so uh, we recognize that for many pastors, the financial pressure and burden on top of all the other stuff that goes into it is enough to bring them to a point of going, look, I'm, I'm just not doing this anymore. It's not working out. So for me, practically, rather than you know trying to tell pastors, you need to get paid more from your church, Let's unleash them to go out into the world and use their God-given gifts, you know, talents, passions, and abilities to serve other people in the marketplace and to thrive financially so it takes pressure off on the church side. So for me, it's more of a practical thing, not so much a theological thing. Like, And I'm not trying to dismiss your question because it's a great question, but if someone wants to get into the theology of it, I'm like, man, I just want to do what works. Like, If a pastor wants to be in ministry and lead in that way, and thrive as well financially, chances are they're not going to do that with one stream of income coming from the church. So let's help them find some other ways to do that. Yeah, no. So, okay. So let's, let's go a little deeper then, because that's, that's a great point. So, you know, you, you, you talk about, there's a lot of folks in pastoral ministry. And I think the first question to ask then is, you know, one is, is pastoral ministry really a full-time profession the way we've made it in the Western church? Or is it really more of a descriptive role that some people have those pastoral skills and they can be very pastoral? And so you could be pastoral in a church setting, you'd be pastoral as a CEO, you could be pastoral as a dad with a family of, you know, three kids, five kids or whatever. Like, do you think part of the guilt there is that we've created a little bit more of a monster? I mean, I, I get the New Testament had folks that spent a lot of time, you know, working in some capacity in ministry, but we've kind of taken this, you know, the way that we do in the West and made a, a whole machine out of it. Like, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, personally, I'm kind of where you are with that, Mike. I, I think I would say yes to much of that. And again, this is coming from someone who grew up in a pastor's home and then also led as a church planter and lead pastor for many years. Um, a few years back, I read a question in a book that Francis Chan wrote that just haunted me. And his simple question was, if all we had was the New Testament to model our church after, and we had no former knowledge of the New Testament church, would we build our churches to look anything like what they look like today? And at the time, being in a role as a, of a pastor with one income, my single income coming from a church, that question haunted me because I could not honestly answer that. Yes, we would take the New Testament and build 
exactly what we've built here. You know, obviously a lot of man-made, you know, tradition and just things have gone into that. Not that any of it is, or that all of it is wrong, but just we've, we've built something that I've come to the conclusion isn't working very well as evidenced by those thousands of pastors who quit every year. I think there's a better way. So I'm not prescribing it to use Les's words uh, earlier. I'm not, we are not prescribing this for all pastors and saying, this is how it must be or should be. I just think I've come to the conclusion there's a better way of doing this than what many of us were told ministry should look like and what pastoring looks like. And there's no way, Mike, that we in the last couple centuries in this part of the world are the first generation in Christendom to get this right. You know, for for most of the time, this model has not existed in this way. You know, and and it may not exist in this way again to the degree that it had. You know, has in the last probably two generations, a hundred years anyway. We're just not seeing that. So if you look at the model in place, the 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 um, the church model, I mean, the ministry model in places such as uh, China, um, much of the Middle East, Africa, just to name a few, the model is very very different. Yeah. So I hope, think that answers your question. We don't have a not, not only do we not have a corner on that market, um, it's it's changing as we speak. Yeah. Yeah. I one mean, thing. One thing I would add to that, to anybody who's listening to this who may be a pastor that's kind of in a traditional thing, I don't, we're not contending you're doing anything wrong uh, or immoral in being in that place. I just, as I look out to the future, I see that becoming less and less of an option for for many, and that many are going to find themselves in a place where they are in both the marketplace and some kind of church world ministry. And I think they're going to find that to be a much healthier place anyway, just my own opinion. Yeah, no, I mean, and I think you're right. And, and, and you know, and, and the goal here for me, I'm just, I'm just, you know, being a little prickly because we want to dig deep in this and really get some folks thinking about what we are doing. I mean, I think COVID's changed the game. You know, forget, forget theology, forget whether we're doing things New Testament or not. I know my church, um, half the services they used to have in person, they don't have anymore. They're, they're online because no one's, no one's showing up. Wednesday night, online only. Saturday night, online only. And they got a big sanctuary and I'm sure they got, you know, a whole lot of bills to pay for that, but it, it changed the game and, and, and technology has opened up so many different ways to reach people. You know, I think me as a kid growing up, you know, church and religion and Christianity was, you know, Sunday morning, Sunday night, maybe a Bible study midweek or whatever. We didn't have YouTube. We didn't have podcasts. We didn't have all this stuff. Now my kids, well, they can get it anytime they want, day or night, yeah. you know, morning, afternoon, evening. They can do a sermon a day. They can do a, you know, a U version plan or whatever, three times a day. It's just crazy how we can consume Jesus so differently. And so obviously there's an evolution happening anyway, just yeah. just with, with what content is doing. Uh, but we're obviously talking about something a little bit different from the fundamental, you know, perspective of the roles and how people make a living and, and how they function in whatever they feel that God's calling them to do. But, you know, I, I own co-working spaces and I regularly meet guys who, hey, I used to be a youth pastor, or I used to be a this, and now I've got a digital marketing company, or I got a something else, and and they're thriving. And you know, I, I'm I'm the same as you. So I was a, I was a church. I grew up thinking I was going to be Billy, the next Billy Graham. You know, I went to Bible college. You know, chased the, you know the church thing, and realized that I I did better in in business and entrepreneurship. So if that's where the strength is, okay, what am I supposed to do with that? And and that's where the book came from, trying to figure this journey out. But I think for for 
for folks listening or for folks, you know, thinking about going into pastoral ministry or who are in pastoral ministry and wondering, hey, is, is like, is this, is this the right road? Should it be this difficult? Like, should I be having these challenges? What, what have you found through your experience talking to others who've lived through that journey to be able to say, hey, you know what? If you're noticing this, this, and this, maybe pastoral ministry isn't the primary. Maybe God did wire you for something different and, and you just have a pastoral heart versus, dude, no, you, you're absolutely, you know, pastoral through and through and through, but you can still, you know, you can still find a way to make a little extra money if that's, if that's a pressure point for you. Like, how does someone understand and not feel that shame and that guilt of, well, man, I'm supposed to be serving God. Like, if I, if I turn my back on him and go, go get a real job or go start something, you know, I'm, I'm doing something wrong. Cause I think, I think that's a very real pressure point that people feel, you know, marketplace isn't, isn't ministry, right. In the yes. same way. So we don't get that same shield and that same badge of honor and everything else. And I, I think that, I think there's a lot of people doing ministry who maybe shouldn't be doing ministry because they're too scared that if they don't keep doing it, they're letting God down. They're letting their family down. They're going to be a, a black mark on Christianity. So I, Long, long story short, you know, what, what have you found and, and how do you identify that kind of break? Yeah, I, I think for far too long, we as, as the church have sold this, this narrative of full-time Christian service that looks like one of three things. It's a pastor, a missionary, or maybe, you know, working for some, you know, spiritual gospel-centered nonprofit. And to do anything other than that is quote unquote secular, this idea that somehow there's this separation between sacred and secular. And Les already spoke to that earlier that we don't, I mean, I don't think there's a, a single place on this planet that Jesus Christ has not planted his flag and said, this is my kingdom. And it's, it's all sacred if we're following Christ and, and, you know, on mission for him. One thing we hear often from the pastors in our community that are in some kind of entrepreneurial thing out in the marketplace is that they're having just as much, if not more, opportunity for ministry beyond the four walls of a church building than sitting inside their office. So I would, to, to, to your question, I would challenge anybody that says, man, I feel like I want to serve God with my life, but I don't know that I'm wired to be a pastor or I really feel drawn to this thing out in the marketplace. I would just challenge them. Who told you that that wasn't serving God with your life? Who told you that the only way to serve God with your life was to be a pastor, to go to seminary? I mean, maybe that's the path for some, but God, all you can also serve God full time as an insurance salesman, as a firefighter, a police officer, a teacher, a stay-at-home mom. Like that's all full-time Christian service. And so I like I think some of our pastors need to hear that permission that you're not quitting on God or quitting on the mission if you go do something in addition to or even to the exclusion of pastoral ministry. And you know what, Mike, something we're discovering from the people that are in our community even is that most of the time, like every occasion, John, the people that I'm thinking of that we've had these conversations with, they, they all find a way to still shepherd people, yeah. you know, and, and to use the gifts that God gave them. Someone doesn't stop being a minister or stop being a pastor because they're not employed by a local church anymore. That's, that's coming from somebody that still is employed as a full-time senior pastor of a local church. And, and I, I love my role and I love my folks, but there's a lot, it's a big world out there yeah. and there are a lot of needs and we have a lot of bandwidth. We do. 
we should have. And so, you know, people like Brian and Victoria and Jody and those that are employers. And, you know, how awesome would it be if our world had more employers yeah. that really cared for their employees, yeah. really cared for their families and treated them right and didn't take advantage of them and didn't ask them to compromise values that they had and really put their needs above their maybe their own personal needs. And what kind of world would this be? And a lot of times the people that we're talking about, that's exactly the kind of employers that they are. Yep. That's good. Yeah, no, it's so true. Uh, you know, and obviously that's the calling, right? Is to love on people. You know, Jesus was quite clear, you know, loving people is what it's all about. And we can do that no, no matter where, whether it's at work, at home, as a business owner, as an employee of a business, you know, supporting someone else who's, who's running a business. We, we can't all run the thing or else there'll be no one left to, uh, to, to make this stuff happen yeah. either. So it's finding that balance. All right, so let me, let me fire another one at you. So I got, I got a buddy who, uh, who is a full-time minister and uh, not a big church, you know, a few hundred folks, but um, it's big enough, you know, doing okay, getting, getting what, what really would be considered a reasonable salary. But he negotiated that he could use some of his time to keep flipping houses on the side and keep making a second income. And so I don't know all the details, but the, the impression is he's making as much, if not more, from the side hustle as the church, but he's paid full time from the church, receiving a salary that most people would consider reasonable for a full-time person. So where do you stop the other side where someone goes to a different extreme and now it's not just about, hey, I wanna be able to take care, but now it's a case of, man, I can, I can do my church gig in even less time so I can have more time for this. Like, at what point is the church then suffering or maybe being taken advantage of by someone who, okay, maybe you've got great entrepreneurial skills, Maybe you should be an entrepreneur then and not, and not try and have a foot in both camps. Or, or do you think it's okay? Because um, who knows? Maybe he's giving it all back to God. I, I don't know. Um, it was just an interesting situation. I always, I always find it a little bit kind of icky personally. But it's not my gig. You know, I'm not going to answer for it one day. So all power to you. I'm going to let yeah. John jump in there first, but, but we need his name as soon as the recording is over with. Yeah, we I want to interview him. Because, yeah, we need, <laughs> we need him on our podcast. Go ahead, John. Yeah, well, first of all, this it's everyone is going to be a little uniquely different, each scenario, so we can't speak into every single issue. But what I can tell you about pastoring is this. like I, I believe in more of a results-based thing than a punching the time clock type of a thing. And, and that calling that pastors would tell you they feel that sense of calling on their life doesn't clock out at 5 p.m. at night. And so are there lazy pastors out there? 100% yes. I know a few. I've met a few. But I would contend most pastors, the average pastor is thinking about church 24-7. They need to shut it off somehow, some way. They think about it too much. So my guess is like we have pastors in our community that their schedule is very flexible. It doesn't look like a normal maybe pastor schedule where they're sitting in an office eight hours a day, but they're still delivering the results. If you, if you know what I mean, they're still showing up for their people. Their people still know that they have access to their pastor. If some, you know, if there's a need, the pastor is able to set the other thing aside to immediately be at the side of his or her people. Um, and so like, I, I think that's probably, that's certainly what we would uh, prescribe is that kind of balance between the two, but understanding that just because they may not be, you know, you talked about real estate specifically with your friend, that's an investment that's making money 
even when you're not necessarily working on it. Now, obviously, you've got to put some time into that to build that portfolio and build those results. Um, but it's all like that's a great arena that you're not just trade, trading your time for dollars. So it's not like the pastor that's just trying to get overtime at some you know dollarly hourly rate type of a of a job. So I, I guess I'm still in favor of that pastor. We know some of those pastors who do give almost all of their salary back to the church. Again, that's 100% between them and the Lord. Right. I don't think the church should be in a position to demand that, to say, hey, pastor, if your salary gets to here, it's like, are they producing the results you've hired them for? And my last piece of pushback before I give this to Les is just this. If that's in another realm, take it in any other realm than the pastoral world, as long as that, I'm going to use the word employee, is delivering for their employer, hopefully most aren't going to have an issue with the fact that, yeah, we know they have some real estate over here that brings in some healthy income for them. But the minute it becomes a pastor, people start going, Ooh, I don't know if I'm okay with my pastor making a, a big chunk of money over here. Now, again, if it's taking them out of, you know, if, if their work is suffering that they're being paid for, that's a legitimate issue that needs to be addressed. But if they're still delivering the, the product, essentially more power to them. That's, that's my thought. Les, what say you? Yeah. And especially it sounds like that individual, again, I don't know him, but it sure sounds like they went into that with some integrity to express that to the church leadership and that that was an understanding coming in. And I would say in a situation like that, and it sounds like it's, it is a larger church context of at least several hundred people, you know, there's, there's a part there where he's probably got a team around him that can, that can in a healthy way, share some of that load and, it's important to follow Ephesians chapter four, where we're equipping the saints for the work of ministry rather than the model of it's just one dude. And Hey, we, that's what we pay him for. So he's supposed to be doing all of that. And then I would say, have a, have the kind of honest accountability as well, that it, since it was conversationally when, when they called him, that there ought to be a real good relationship with that um, leadership team, whatever it looks like. That if there's ever some concern about that or uh, a question that comes up, it can be handled in that with some honest conversation. Um, so that's the way I would I would say in a in a context where that's all out in the open anyway, they ought to be able to have a conversation about that if it ever becomes an issue. So you guys obviously have a podcast, um, and it, it looks like you've got a community as well. You mentioned them a little bit. So t tell us about that. Like if somebody wants to dig a little bit more into this, what kind of resources and help are you you know you providing? Yeah, inside our membership community, we offer three different pathways or courses for a pastor to consider if they're looking to just get going in an entrepreneurial space and not really sure where to go. We've got three different branches, if you will. One is what we call the information-based pathway. That's building a, a business around a message that you may have or kind of your intellectual property. So that could look like podcasting, speaking, coaching, consulting courses, all of that stuff. The, the second one is e-commerce. We've got an expert in our community that has done very well learning to sell online, Amazon, eBay, that sort of a thing. So we're offering that up as a course for pastors to consider. And then the third is more of what we call the service-based business, which was, you know, your hands-on tangible service in terms of, you know, painting, pressure washing, tree trimming, cleaning, that sort of a thing. And really, our goal is to help pastors really discover how God has wired them and shaped them and, you know, what, what their passions are and how that could be leveraged in the marketplace. So in our membership, 
we offer you know that that content and then the community the support around that as a pastor gets going down that pathway yeah and the support is really huge too mike as you can imagine uh, we wanted to create an, an environment that was safe for people to celebrate wins right and uh not everybody understands um, what we're talking about to the degree that a pastor would feel confident in standing up on a Sunday or on a, in an environment of church and say, Hey man, I just, I killed it this week, man. I flipped the house and my partner and I made it. Well, they, some of them might care about that and you can have those one-on-one -on -one conversations, but we wanted to have a place that, that they could celebrate that. And um, we're, and we're all, we're adding um, things as well. We're, we're adding different features to the, membership community and some uh, courses and there's a we mentioned real estate earlier there's there's a real estate track that's going to be opening up soon and something that i know is near and dear to your heart is the writing and publishing part of it so entree pastors press is a big part of what we're doing now to help uh, not not only pastors it's not only pastors but people with a with a christian message or faith-based message um get in front of a publisher that that gets them you know and so we're an imprint of morgan james publishers and uh we'll be helping pastors have that door open up kind of where the the gatekeepers have been removed now and that's a world that many pastors uh, want to get into and uh, are very a natural fit in that world wow that's awesome so in essence if somebody's got a, a manuscript idea they can they can be a part of your community and visit with you guys and and you've already gotten in to help them make that you know become a reality yeah we can take them directly to the publisher and we've already got a few uh people in the pipeline who are have have had their works approved and are in the process of becoming published through morgan james so it's really exciting to be able to offer that to pastors and yeah. and others wow so how long have you been doing this we started this whole thing in August of 2021. So we're not even a full year into this. We're just, wow. we're just building here. Cool beans. So yeah, what, what's been the most surprising thing that you found since reaching out, you know, to folks and, and starting to offer some support in this area? Well, this isn't surprising. I'm going to say it's, it's a frustrating thing. When you have a great message and a great product that you know can help people and and some there's that resistance or that reluctance of people to make that investment into themselves and we find that i'm i've been a pastor my whole life or been around it my whole life pastors right. can be some of the most frustrating people on the planet to try to serve in this capacity because of of that thinking that so often holds them back that limited scarcity thinking because they've spent so much of their life in scarcity so it's not really surprising it's just a, a frustrating challenge of the journey where it's like man i know we could help you but you got to be willing to invest in yourself to to get to the next level so that's that's part of what we're doing is is trying to create resources for pastors to help overcome some of that limited thinking so i don't know Les, what what's been surprising to you no doubt the big surprise for me mike has been how many pastors are are doing our entree pastors that's a term that we sort of coined and but how many pastors are doing this and are killing it yeah. I, I just had no idea because it like as we said it's just not celebrated it's just not talked right. about that much i mean there i, I know uh, i have known people in the marketplace before that had 
REV in front of their name for one reason or another. They got ordained so that they could marry someone, you know, or for a different reason. But I'm talking about people that are fully committed into the pastor ministry world and kingdom stuff, fully committed into the marketplace. We know people now that are making multiple times what their church is able to pay them and they're, and they're full-time, you know, in ministry, but they've just figured this thing out. They've, they've cracked the code and they're just starting businesses. They're serial entrepreneurs. There are a lot of people out there doing this. I mean, personally, I just had no idea. So it's been really neat to be able to connect them. I guess it's like anything, right? You, you don't really know what's out there. There's so many groups, so many tribes, so many yeah. communities of people just doing different things. And, you know, the world's still a big place, even though tech's made it a little bit smaller. So yeah. it's, yeah. Um, it's often well, hard to know. And I guess the content... Got, oh, oh, go, go ahead. On. Sorry. Well, I was going to say, I guess the content business right now, obviously, is super, you know, super in vogue. Everybody's talking about launching courses. Everybody's talking about membership communities. And so I imagine there's probably a lot of noise around that too when you're trying to figure out, okay, well, which, which, which is the right one to go? Because there's so much choice all of a sudden. And there's so many people offering support for not necessarily exactly like you guys, but you know, for starting a business, there's a lot of places you can go for help or for being an entrepreneur um, you know, and that kind of stuff. And so it's, it's obviously good when you can dial it down and be a little bit more niche specific but I know, I know when we started the podcast, you know, one of the reasons we started it was because I just wanted to make new friends with other entrepreneurs that love Jesus and want to bring Jesus into their business and not just talk about him outside of the business, you know? And, um, you know, thankfully I've, I've met a lot of folks, you know, who have that heart through it, but I wish I could have met them without doing this, but I didn't know where to look. I mean, I, I can Google, but it didn't, it didn't get me what I needed right. to find. So I had to do something else to, to, to search a little bit differently. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we're finding is as we create this content and put it out there, it it does draw your people, kind of your tribe to you. And that's been fun to just have pastors when they find us come and say, Man, I wish I would have known about you guys years ago. Well, we didn't exist years ago, but right. um, you know, I, I wish I wish you would have been around years ago because this is yeah. my tribe, you're my people. And you mentioned things that are surprising, Mike. Well, one of the things that's been surprising to me is the people. Uh, the pastors that have all these years of content and research and study and writing that they've done, right. you know, back in the day, especially when it was Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and you're cranking out all this content. I've been really surprised at how many guys don't want to do that with their, you know, with a, with a side hustle or a side business. There are more of them. It seems to maybe because that's what they've done for so long. And it's like, no, I want to do something that's, that's different, you know? And so people that are owning, buying and owning restaurants, uh, pressure washing businesses, painting businesses, uh, some some coaching and 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 podcasting and things like that, but not as much as I anticipated when we started. That's been kind of interesting. A lot more, a lot more hands-on stuff. Yeah, that is surprising, right? I mean, if you've got a history of you know an archive full of yeah. you know, material that you've made that you could repurpose and just you know polish back up, you'd, you'd think that would be the easy win to you know mm -hmm. to do something with it. Yeah. Some, like some, you had but said not, too, not everybody. It's it's noisy out there, you know, right. Mike. And so I think that's the thing. Some some people hear the simplicity. It is a simple idea to to build a business around that. Once you jump into it, you realize it's a simple idea. It's not simple execution. There's a yeah. lot of work and consistency, and it does. And the good news in that, it doesn't take a lot to cut through the noise by just simply keep showing up and keep delivering value and creating content. You know, just that will take you a long ways down the road of of building a community and building a, a platform, if you will, 
but it does take some to cut through that noise, you know, because anybody can have a, a microphone these days and, and have a, a, a platform essentially. Yeah, no, I guess that's true too. You know, it'd be interesting how it kind of, how it plays out, I guess, a little bit further down the road. So, so what, you know, you, you mentioned a few things, obviously that are, that are coming down the pipe, but when you look into the next year or two or three years, kind of short term, what, what, what are your hopes? Like, how are you guys going to define a big win for what you're doing and what you're working on? Cause, cause you're entrepreneurs too, right? Obviously you, you're talking to pastors about being entrepreneurs, but you know, you're launching something new. You're trying to build a community. You're trying to build a membership program and, um, you know, in a podcast. So you're, you're literally living through these same fun things that we all live through and keywords and tags and all the fun stuff so we can get found. So, um, you know, what, what's, what's your big goal or what's your big dream? And, and, you know, how's that, how's that looking? Well, at a macro level, I will tell you this, just coming kind of the church focus, I believe the best days of the church are still in front of us. I know that sounds cliche, but I genuinely believe that I'm excited about like earlier, you mentioned COVID. Yes, it's we're living in some really tumultuous times, but I'm excited about all of it because I think the best days, the finest hour of the church is still in front of us. And so I look forward to being a player on that level in some way. And I think this is part of it. Again, it's not the be all end all fix all, but bringing it down to entree pastors specifically and what a big win for us would be is, man, I want to just keep creating those stories of success of other pastors. The more that we can help pastors figure out how to pivot, shift a little bit in what they're doing and stay in the game, stay in ministry because they're not suffering with all this financial pressure, or maybe they're recognizing the model that I was brought up in and, and around, like that's not going to sustain us. So we've helped them make some pivots and shifts, and now they're thriving out in the marketplace. The more of those testimonials we can help produce, I just feel like we're building a legacy that is going to outlive us. And far beyond the business side of it, far beyond the entrepreneurial marketplace stuff, we're talking the kingdom of God as his church flourishes and his people are out in the world introducing people to Jesus. So I know that sounds very high and lofty, but I see us playing a role in that much bigger picture as we help one pastor at a time make a difference. So that's what I'm excited about. Yeah, and we're really praying that our membership can grow, that we grow it the right way. And it's been a lot of fun introducing people to one another who have who shared the same heart our kindred spirits but they just don't know one another yet and to see them in the same room either literally or virtually and the sparks start to fly and the ideas start you know good things happen when when godly creative hard-working people come together visionary people and that's a lot of what we're seeing and then you know I, we're asking ourselves what does this make possible and I can, I can only imagine what it must have been like those early days of television. Can't you just hear the conversations? You talk about something new. And then this, this young guy comes along, Billy Graham, and he's preaching to a television. You know, I can only imagine the, the conversations. Oh, my goodness, there it goes. People aren't going to come to church anymore. They're just going to stay right. home and watch it on television. And that didn't happen, you know. And right. so we'll, we're, we're shifting some and figuring things out. But this is also going to make a lot of things possible when it comes to spreading the gospel around the world. Oh, cool. So folks want to learn more. What's the best way to get in touch with you guys? Entrepastors.com is our website. And if there's anybody that's like, man, where do I get started? John, I'm intrigued, but I have no idea where I would even start. We have a free downloadable get started guide and you can get that at 
entrepastors.com slash start.